This morning's scripture lesson can be found on page 784 of your Red Pew Bible or on page 1251 of the Blue Large Print Bible. It comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day when Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and legal experts were sitting nearby. They had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. Now the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Some men were bringing a man who was paralyzed, lying on a cot. They wanted to carry him in and place him before Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they took him up on the roof and lowered him, cot and all, through the roof tiles into the crowded room in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. The legal experts and Pharisees began to mutter among themselves, Who is this who insults God? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus recognized what they were discussing and responded, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk, but so that you will know that the human one has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Jesus now spoke to the man who was paralyzed. I say to you, get up, take your cot, and go home. Right away, the man stood before them, picked up his cot, and went home, praising God. All of the people were beside themselves with wonder. Filled with awe, they glorified God, saying, We have seen unimaginable things today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Stephen Taylor. I'm the executive director of SNS 360. We work to provide pathways of hope for families and individuals that are dealing with disabilities. Please join me in prayer. Gracious, loving God, we invite you into this space as we have a conversation about a community that's near and dear to your heart and to our hearts as well. Help stir up in us a mission, a vision that will enable us to move forward to help eradicate the problem with people with disabilities. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dalton, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak here today. Why are you here? You made a decision to be here. You know the average human being makes 35,000 decisions a day. Many of those decisions are automatic, such as when you get out of bed, put your shoes on, fix your cup, pot of coffee, you know your typical habits. You need to make three decisions right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first one is dealing with a chicken sandwich. Do you choose Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I say Chick-fil-A. Do you choose Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? I hear Star Wars. And this is a very, very important question. I hope you're listening. 
Christmas music should be, be should it be played before Halloween or after Halloween? <laughs> I say after Halloween. Thank you. But you know, I also want to talk about choices. We all make choices. A choice is typically something that leads you down a path with a defined destination, such as you make a choice to go to college. What do you expect in? You get a diploma. You join a fitness center. What do you expect in? You be in better shape. Well, I had to make a choice at one time in my life. You know, for the longest time, I thought being a person with a disability was something to be shameful of, be embarrassed by, and I was. I tried to hide it. I was so ashamed of my hearing loss. I wore long hair, did everything I could to hide it. But you know, I realized I have a superpower. I have hearing aids. That means I can mute people out. It comes in handy when you're dealing with somebody you really want to, don't want to talk to. You just mute button, mute. It goes silent. They keep on talking. You don't hear it. <laughs> Beautiful thing. You should try it sometime. But, you know, going back to our narrative this morning about Scripture, Luke 5, Jesus is preaching. The people in the Sea of Galilee region had heard Jesus were preaching. They flocked. They were excited. They wanted to hear what the man had to say. So they went to this person's house. Back then, they did not have churches and big buildings and houses to worship. They went to somebody's home and they worshiped. So Jesus was preaching. But as you can imagine, the place was packed full. It was inaccessible. You couldn't get in. There were two men in that community that recognized that situation, but they, more importantly, also recognized somebody that was not there that should have been there. They had a friend that had a disability. He was paralyzed. He was left behind. Now, yes, the building was inaccessible. Yes, it would have been difficult to go get him and bring him back. But those two men had the courage to say, enough. They went and got their friend, knowing that the building was inaccessible, and got him. When they brought him to the house, of course, it was still inaccessible. What did they do? They tore the roof off. Can you imagine somebody tearing the roof off of this building right here and bringing people in that way? It'd be awesome. I think it'd be awesome. I don't know how Dalton would feel, but I think it'd be cool. <laughs> but you know, tearing the roof off, they bring their friend down. But here's the thing. The people in that community knew of the paralyzed man. The status quo was, just let him leave him where he is. He can't come. We're not going to deal with it. But those two men disrupted the norm. They went and got him, brought him, brought him through the roof. So can you imagine the reaction of the people in that community, in that house, when they saw the man coming in? They were probably in awe. 
Like, holy cow, he's here. But what was Jesus' reaction? That's the most important thing. What was his reaction? Jesus didn't condemn the people for tearing up the property. No, he didn't. What did Jesus do? He embraced it. He said, your sins are forgiven. But the decisions of that demand led to a radical choice. You see, we're making radical choices that bring permanent transformative change in ourselves and in our community. God has given you the ability to make decisions, choices, and also a radical choice which brings about permanent transformative change in yourself and in society. So these man been forgiven, and what happens? He glorifies God, and so do the people. They went away glorifying God. This had been going on for centuries, people having the courage to make a radical choice. All the way up until the late 19th century, women were seen as not equal. They were not given the right to vote, couldn't own property. Must luck be working anywhere. That is until two women said, Enough! Elizabeth Cody Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. Sure, the norm and the status quo was they're women. We're not going to worry about them. They, people knew that it was wrong. Nobody stepped up to the plate except Elizabeth Cody Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. Through their work, the women's rights were started, the movement. It later led to the passing of the 19th Amendment in 1920, where women are seen legally as equal. Many would argue that women still are fighting for those rights. I would too. Another example. African Americans. The Civil War ended in the late 1800s. But here in World War II, they were still dealing with employment rights, voting rights, owning things, and the whole situation of segregation. That is until two people said, Enough! Rosa Parks, on December 1st, 1955, was riding a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. She's an African-American woman. She was supposed to give up her seat to a white person and go to the back of the bus. She refused to do so. Got arrested. She sparked a movement. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. took that mantle and made it into a civil rights movement that later passed many laws that allowed African-Americans the right to vote, own property, and get rid of the horrid situation of segregation. Let's talk about disabilities. Disabilities have been around forever. There have been millions of people around the world with disabilities. Many people with disabilities are not seen as equal. We're not seen as human beings. Did you know 
Not too long ago, when a family found out they had a person with disability, they sent him into an institution. These institutions were much like prisons, horrid situations. But the sad part was they forgot them. They took them to the institution, moved on with their lives, and those individuals were forgotten. Over the years, accessibility into buildings was a problem, transportation, employment, you name it, an issue. In the 1960s, two men said, enough. Ed Roberts, a paraplegic, and Roland Johnson, a person with an intellectual disability. They said, enough. They started the disability rights movement. They fought and fought. And eventually led to the passing of the American with Disabilities Act of 1990, which basically states that all public buildings must be accessible, transportation must be provided and offered. Other bills were passed that allowed for the people with disabilities to be, be employed. It's a good thing, phenomenal thing. A little bit about myself. I was born with a hearing disability, profound hearing loss, which basically means I don't hear anything. I was raised in the Methodist Church. And at the age of 12, I signed up to go through confirmation. But I never got the complete confirmation. Because on the night we kicked off confirmation, we were in a room with about 50 individuals, teenagers, chaperones, you name it. Pastor turned to me in front of everybody. said, Stephen, you have a disability. You don't belong here. You need to leave. At the age of 12, hearing a word from a man that I respected and authority, and that devastated me. It embarrassed me. I internalized that experience so much that it got to the point I hated God and I hated the church. I thought this man was speaking on behalf of God. I thought God made a mistake. I was a mistake. So for 25 years, he couldn't pay me to go to the church. Forget about it. Well, my life was a train wreck for a variety of reasons. It's a whole other story for another time. And I got to the point where I wanted to commit suicide. And I was trying to have the courage to step forward and complete the task. There was this small, still voice that had been following me, the presence, had been around all those years. I knew it was there, but I kept, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Finally, I had the courage to listen, just for a moment. I heard a voice. I'm a deaf guy, so I heard the voice. The voice said, Stephen, I love you. I always have, and I always will. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I really needed in that moment in my life, needed that intervention. And I made the choice to listen. And thankfully, I'm still here today because of that. I, <clears throat> I um, received a call to ministry. I struggle to know what that call to ministry was like. Here I am, I've been running from you for all these years, but you want me to go into ministry? Yes, Stephen, I do. You know, the life that you've had, millions of others have had that same situation. We need somebody to step up to the plate and do something about it. So I chose to do that. I had my enough moment. So I responded to that call by starting a nonprofit called SNS360. We work with faith communities, helping them recognize that they play a role in this situation. There are 65, people, 65 million people in the United States with a disability. That's one in four people. Where are they? They're not in here. So I began to create an audit called the Disability Awareness and Accessibility Audit. Because I began to understand churches and faith communities didn't have a clue. They didn't understand. Do you know why? Because with the American with Disabilities Act of 1990, I just told you about, as with every piece of legislation, there's always a comma and a but. Well, the comma and but is in Title III of the American with Disabilities Act of 1990 states, faith communities do not have to be in compliance with the ADA Act. Why? They fought because they said it had to retrofit the building. They said it's just too much money, too much work. So it basically created us and them. The disability community had began to accept the fact, sadly, that faith communities don't want them. Much of my work that I do, I travel across North Georgia, visited in faith communities, disability organizations, and group homes. Let me tell you some of the stories I hear. Pastors refused in baptism because somebody had a disability. Pastors refused in communion because somebody had a disability. What? 2019, we had that problem? 2019, that's a problem? I say enough. There's absolutely no reason why any person of any ability, of any culture, of any background, or any socioeconomic background cannot be in church. There's no reason. They should be here. Enough. We passed, we created this audit, and the audit measured a church on three things. It measured you on the acceptability. Can you get inside the building? If you can't get inside the building, forget about it. Can you get inside the building? Second thing, we measure the congregation on awareness. Are you aware of the disability community? Do you care? 
The third and probably most important one is the Sunday worship audit. We visited, myself and other people with disabilities, will visit a faith community on a Sunday. We want to see how you interact with us. Do you accept us? Do you ask us to leave? Are we welcome? Are we included? And I'm very happy to say that Decatur First was one of the first um, churches that wanted to go through this audit. And your church is, wel is recognized as being welcoming and included, inclusive to those with disabilities. So I thank you. You're one of the few churches in the North Georgia Conference that are so willing to step out and say, yes, we want you to be a part of our community. There are others making radical choices for radical results. Greta Thunberg, she's bringing the light of the situation with climate. We have others that started the Me Too movement that brought to light the issues of sexual harassment in the workplace. All these individuals that started something wasn't doing it for the intention of becoming famous. They were doing it and had the courage to step up to the plate and say, enough of the status quo, the norm of rejecting people. We want to turn it upside down. All of these people are doing that, changing the conversation to be inclusive. There was another that made a radical choice. Jesus Christ, Son of God. Jesus chose to come to this earth, walk this earth, pour out his mercy, love, and grace to everybody he ever encountered. Without fail, he especially engaged those on the margins. Think of the woman that was bleeding for 12 years. Nobody would have anything to do with her. She was desperate. Jesus encountered her. Think about the woman at the well. There are many examples where Jesus encountered those that were rejected. He made a radical choice to come here on this earth knowing what the result was going to be. He knew that he was going to be betrayed, tried, and crucified. For our sins, to give us the opportunity to have eternal life. So if Jesus is our example, shouldn't we also have the courage to continue to move forward and make these decisions? Yes, I know that many times it, it's uncomfortable. It makes you feel like you stand out, that well, everybody else is doing this. I don't want to be the different person. Well, I think you should be. People with disabilities have a very different life than a typical life. They follow the parallel to a typical life. You're born, you go to school, you get a driver's license, you graduate, you go to college, all those things. Person with disabilities, they go to a school they age out of the school system at age 21, and then there's nothing. 
it's very, very difficult for a person with disabilities to get into a college. There's not many college opportunities. That is changing. Very, it's very difficult for a person with disabilities to be employed. And much less, it's very difficult for a person with disability to have an independent life. The three greatest needs for the disability community are, number one, opportunity to be engaged in society, to get out of the house. So when they age out of the school system, there's no next chapter. They go home, play video games, watch movies. They become isolated. There is no next chapter. We can change that. Secondly, supportive employment. Did you know that it's perfectly legal for an employer to pay a person with a disability below minimum wage? It's not uncommon to find out a person with a disability get paid pennies on the dollar for an hour of work. It's embarrassing some of the paychecks you see but it works, they do. And third, probably the greatest crisis, is housing, residential. Many moms and dads spend their entire lives raising their loved one with disability. Before you know it, the fountain of youth still hasn't been found. They're in their 60s, 70s, and their loved one is getting older too. And a daunting question, What's going to happen to my loved one when I die? There's no place for them to live. Some people put them in nursing homes. There's others, communities out there. But that is a major, major crisis situation. So what can you do? Not all bad news. There are people out there doing great, great work. There's one community called Aldergate Collinswood. It was started by Marion Wilder and led by Gay Hudson. They do fantastic work with the disability community. I'm honored to work with them on a daily basis. Another community, the Larch community, located less than a mile from here. Larch community provides residential housing for adults with disabilities. They have one home. They just now bought a second home. Well, they're doing things. You could partner with SNS 360. Help us identify faith communities that need the audit so we can begin changing that conversation about why is the disability community not here? What can we do about it? Is there anything you can do about it? Yes. Yes. Get involved with the community that's doing great work, disability organizations. Maybe do something, a respite night here. The family would greatly appreciate it. Do a movie night. There are many different things we can do. We don't necessarily have a thought of special needs ministry, but offer something. So Decatur first. I feel the fire within you. You have the desire to do something special. You're a very special faith community. Very special. You have the opportunity to do something. The question becomes, are you willing to embrace this opportunity? Are you willing to make the choice? Are you willing to make the radical choice that brings permanent transformative change to 
to you and your society. Are you ready to tear the roof off and say, enough? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.